0: Hello and welcome to Falmouth Vineyard's audio podcast. We're really grateful that you're joining us today. Our vision is to see Cornwall coming alive through the hope and freedom that Jesus brings. To find out more about who we are or how to connect with us, visit falmouthvineyard.org. We'd love to hear from you.
1: Welcome. If I haven't met you before, my name's Nathan. Um, it is great to have you with us. Um, if you're on holiday, welcome. Hope the weather's better than it was last night. Anyone else have like a mini crazy storm last night? We, um, I was like, what is that noise? Like, is it the middle of winter? What has just happened? Have we suddenly gone from like, heat wave to like dead of... Anyway. Um, on holiday, we were camping. And um, as you know, we were in France. And then um, the heat wave broke spectacularly, with an enormous thunderstorm. Like, and you know those moments, like, I feel vulnerable in a tent. Uh, I can feel the ground moving, and it's constant lightning, as if someone's, like, flashing a strobe light just outside. And then I was like, oh, is the tent going to be waterproof? So you're up walking around thinking, is there any drips happening anywhere? Like, proper rumbly loud around the valley echoey thunder. Did the kids wake up? Not at all. Is that interesting, isn't it? I was thinking that last night. I like, didn't you know who slept through? Who woke up? Incredible. We saw those, sang those words this morning through the storms of life. And I was like, oh, you can, sometimes you can just sleep through. Just carry on. It's just crazy. Um, so we are going to be opening the book of Daniel this morning. Um, the reason I have chosen this book going into this term is because it's a subject and a person and a, a culture almost that I have been mulling over the last years, especially during the pandemic. Um, and it, I think it will help us frame our Christian walk, how we follow Jesus, our narrative going into this term, but also at this cultural moment globally and nationally. How do we as followers of Jesus live as exiles within a strange but familiar culture. The, the whole book of Daniel is about God warning and warning and warning Israel through the prophets, through Jeremiah, through Ezekiel and Isaiah and saying, if you don't turn back to me, Israel, if you don't turn back to me, exile will happen. You will be forcefully removed from your home. Jerusalem will be destroyed and we will exile you into Babylon and then you know what happens because Daniel is the story of them being in exile. So it's helpful, I think, because the New Testament also frames this theme of us as exiles, us as strangers in a foreign land, rather than us as the dominant culture as Christians and as followers of Jesus influencing everyone else. How can we as a creative minority, influence the culture that we find ourselves in, whether it's the culture generally in society, which is a bit vague, or the culture of our family, or the culture of your workplace, or the culture of your village, or the culture of your town, the culture of Cornwall, or wherever you may find yourself. How do we, as a minority of followers of Jesus, influence that wider culture? So I'm hoping that looking at the book of Daniel... Not just Daniel obviously it's his buddies as well, we will see this theme come out. How can we speak prophetically to culture? How can we have integrity within our culture? How can we have resilience within our culture? All of these things come through as themes within the book of Daniel. Now, as you know, I love the Bible project, so they have done not they have done a Bible overview of Daniel, but I thought what we 'd watch would be the, the theme of exile within the Old Testament and New Testament. So hopefully that will paint the picture and tie together the theme of exile through the book of Daniel that we're going to look at this term. That'd be okay? So, snazzy video for two minutes.
0: In the year 587 BC, the city of Jerusalem was attacked by the Babylonian Empire. And a year later, the city and the temple were plundered and burned.
2: Thousands of Israelites were taken from their homes and relocated all over ancient Babylon. They became exiles.
0: And so now they're a minority surrounded by a new culture with new gods.
2: Now some Israelites chose to resist Babylon by revolting or withdrawing. Others gave in, adopting the Babylonian way of life and accepting
0: these new gods as their own. And you might think those are your only two options, but the prophet Jeremiah told them to do something totally different and surprising. To settle in, build houses, plant gardens, grow families, and most surprisingly, to seek the well-being of Babylon and pray to the Lord on its behalf.
2: So this is like a third way.
0: Yeah, it's not compromise or revolt. What does it look like? Well, there's a whole book of the Bible that explores that question. It's the story of Daniel. Daniel was one of the Israelites taken into the Babylonian exile. And because Daniel had a royal heritage and education, he was recruited along with some friends to work in the high court of Babylon. Work for the enemy? That would be compromise. Or they could gain the king's trust and take him down from the inside. That is what you might expect. But instead, they take Jeremiah's advice and choose the third way. They serve the king of Babylon, taking on Babylonian names and even clothing style.
2: So they seek Babylon's well-being, but in doing so,
0: aren't they just giving up their heritage? It could seem that way, but actually they aren't. As you read on, the story focuses on moments where they draw the line and they choose faithfulness to their god and resist the influence of Babylon. So, for example? Well, like when they are commanded to bow down to the idol of Babylon and give allegiance to the king as if he's a god. Ah, they won't go that far. Right, this is where you see their true loyalty. It requires them to critique Babylon's idolatry of power, its arrogance, its injustice. But they do it non-violently by laying down their lives. And so God vindicates Daniel and his friends for their faithfulness.
2: So they would serve Babylon, seek its well-being, but their loyalty was always to God.
0: Yeah, this is what Jeremiah was envisioning. The way of the exile is a combination of loyalty and also subversion. So they are still exiles, but don't Daniel and his friends long to go home? Yes. In fact, Daniel believed that God was going to send a ruler to bring down Babylon and create a true kingdom of peace. Ah, When did he think
2: this ruler would come?
0: Well, at first he thought within his lifetime. But then he had a dream where he found out that after Babylon would come another oppressive empire, then another, then another.
2: And so Babylon did fall and Israel did get to go back home. But now they are ruled by Babylon's successors.
0: And so they maintained the mindset of an exile, waiting for their true home to come to them. And they continued the same practice of loyalty and subversion to any new versions of Babylon that came along. And this leads us to the time of Jesus.
2: The empire of his day was Rome, ruled by Caesar. Now, some Israelites wanted to resist, while others gave in and adopted Roman culture and its gods.
0: But watch Jesus carry on the subversive loyalty of Daniel. Like when he said, it is fine to pay taxes to Caesar, give him back his coins. But then he said, don't mistake Caesar for God. God's the one who deserves your total life and allegiance.
2: So the way of Jesus is this same mix of loyalty and subversion.
0: Yeah, like he taught his followers to love and even bless their enemies. But he also got arrested for speaking out against the corrupt leaders of Jerusalem and Rome. He critiqued their idolatry of power and it cost him his life. But God vindicated him by raising him from the dead as the true king of the nations.
2: The king that Daniel had hoped for.
0: Right, and Jesus promised that one day his kingdom would prevail.
2: And so until then, his followers are living in a type of exile.
0: Yeah, this is why the Apostle Peter calls followers of Jesus foreigners and exiles. He told them to respect the authorities of whatever place you happen to live, to honor and love all people, but then he reminds them that this isn't their true home. They're still living in Babylon. But, well, they're not living in Babylon. Babylon doesn't exist anymore. Or does it? In the Bible, Babylon has become a symbol that describes any human institution that demands allegiance to its idolatrous redefinitions of good and evil.
2: Okay, so we all live and work in Babylon. How do I seek the well-being of Babylon while my allegiance is to someone greater?
0: Yes, Jesus' followers are called to live in that tension between loyalty and subversion. That is the way of the exile.
1: It's good, isn't it? Choosing subversion. Um, the video kind of frames two options. Syncretism or assimilation, where we just say, do you know what, sack it, let's just go along with it. Let's go along with culture. Let's not try to be different. It's just too big. It's too powerful. It's too overwhelming. Or revolt, rebellion. we just spend constantly, all of our time, fighting and fighting and fighting and battling with culture. The New Testament equivalents would be the kind of Essenes drawing into the desert, withdrawing from culture, separating themselves, or the zealots fighting terrorist activity to kind of overthrow the Roman occupation. And I think one of the challenges we are facing as followers of Jesus is how do we engage with the culture that is around us, that we are surrounded by in a creative, redemptive way. So let's jump in. Turn in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 29, because this kind of frames Daniel's mentality as he is in exile. It's in the Old Testament, contemporary of Daniel, written at the same time. Jeremiah 29 verse 4 just says this. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Verse 5. Build houses. To instead of distancing yourself, exiles in Babylon or moving into the desert, instead of constantly rebelling and demonstrating, build houses, settle down, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into through exile. If it prospers, you too will prosper. And part of the challenge of this book is that it asks us, how are we distinctive from culture as we are as followers of Jesus? As a community that worships God, that is following Jesus, that seeks His kingdom, that believes in hope, in love, in faith, in forgiveness, in rep- redemption, how are we as individuals and as a community distinct from the culture for the right reasons? We had, as I've mentioned earlier, the privilege of going to France on holiday this summer. Um, camping. I am a reluctant camper, but the revolutionary purchase this year was earplugs. Oh, amazing earplugs! We had the worst pitch on the whole campsite. On a fact, the campsite was beautiful. We were right next to the play park, and the toilet block, and the swimming pool. I was like, does anyone ever sleep on this campsite? I think you're all meant to be. A- anyway, earplugs. Oh, my holiday changed when we went to decathlon. There's not a French holiday without your trip to Decathlon. Uh, I think we went twice. Um, And, yeah, one of my favourite pastimes when we're on holiday, I don't know if this is you as well, is people watching. Oh, isn't that the best? Time to just sit and go, hmm, that's interesting. Oh. You see the different way people cook, especially when you've got cultures on a campsite. You've got the French there, you've got the Dutch, and the English. There was no Irish this time, and you can see some Germans. And it's like, oh, how do they all do the lunch? Oh, what do they bought for lunch? Oh, oh, pasta. Interesting. Um, oh, I've had beer with lunch. Hmm. Didn't I thought it was too early, but maybe because it's on holiday, it's okay. A little cheeky glass of wine, or if you've got British people near you, glass of wine with breakfast. Um, Because you're camping, you're basically sleeping in the open air, separated by the thinnest piece of material. Like, how do we expect any privacy in canvas? Or whatever our less-than-waterproof tent was made from. Different cultures we see and hear have different ways of parenting, different ways of rewarding, different times they get out of bed, different times they go to bed, different routines. Up and early, the French couple that were next to us were like ultimate achievers. They saw every attraction and went to everything within a 50-mile radius of the campsite. We were not quite so active. We got up as late as possible. We grabbed a croissant from the shop on the campsite and headed to the pool. And that was it. Ah, glorious. Glorious. No to-do list. Should we, like? Do anyone know where the kids are? I think they're all right. They all know how to swim. They'll be fine. Return to book and watch the people. Lunch was always French bread and cheese. Dinner was always a barbecue. You don't really need much more variety if you're a Gilbert when you're on holiday. Which wine should we sample tonight? Maybe venture out of the campsite, if there is a local market, to satisfy Ruth's desire to participate in that crazy experience of French local markets where there's still a culture of going somewhere and having market stores and seeing all this local produce. And it's incredible. And we were in France dipping our toes into French culture. The bits of it you love and want to adopt, the climate, everything about France. And they're apart from the customer service. Um, <laughs> we had some interesting experiences. And I don't want to lump the whole of France into our experience of the customer service but let themselves down let themselves down but it's interesting isn't it when you go to a different culture you, you do you throw yourself in immerse yourself or do we see ourselves as purely visitors purely there for a temporary time strangers in a foreign land And the New Testament, the writings of Peter, use this language to describe our identity as followers of Jesus in whatever country we find ourselves in, whatever culture we find ourselves in. And part of the beauty of the book of Daniel is seeing where he makes a stand. What does he draw the line at? Where does he comply and where does he draw the line? The incredible story of Daniel is about influencing and speaking to power, to authority, to seek change through redemptive participation. So... Bit of background, you have Daniel, member of the um, royal family, not killed when the um, Jerusalem is ransacked, but instead taken into Babylon to be assimilated within the royal family of Babylon. Him and his friends taken into Babylonian culture. So grab your Bible again, open it to Daniel chapter 1, and we're going to skip the bit that I've just said about, and we're going to start reading in verse 8. Now, my top tip, which is what I did when I was in by the pool on holiday, was to download the version app of the Bible. If you have got that, it's fantastic. You can see all the different versions. You can also, if you've got the NIV, have David Suchet read it to you. Have you done that? Oh. It's like, I just he is just sounds so wise. They've set the low so deep. And it's just, I can't do his voice. It's amazing. Read or listen to the whole book in one go just transforms the experience of the book of Daniel. You then get a, a concept of what happens in what order. You see the prophetic happening all the way through the book rather than all lumped into the end of the book as it's, as it's in the Bible. So let's pick it up. So that's my version. Download the Uversion app. Listen to the whole book of Daniel. Like Eleven chapters It won't take you very long um, in one go. Verse 8, Daniel 1. But Daniel resolved Please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the other young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and wine and they were to they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. Verse seventeen: To these young four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. Real parallel with with the person of Joseph in the in uh, earlier on as well in Genesis. The key phrase from verse eight would be this: Daniel resolved not to. In the King James version, it says Daniel purposed his heart, and in the message, it says Daniel determined. At this point, Daniel had been forcibly removed and enslaved, taken into exile, removed from his homeland, taken into a foreign land. Him and his friends had been renamed, which is the bit we'll skip over but we'll come back to. He is being educated in a different culture, but this is where Daniel draws the line. The meal was where he took a stand. And the food and drink would have been um, an issue for a number of reasons. It hadn't been prepared within the kosher framework. And it would probably have been sacrificed to the pagan gods of the Babylonians. But even in taking a stand, Daniel asks permission. Isn't that amazing? Please test us, he says to the gods. So what does that teach us? It's interesting. Even though they are in this foreign land, being educated in this new system, have had their names changes and are speaking in a different language, this reveals who is still the ultimate authority in Daniel's life. What would you say is the ultimate and highest authority in your life? Because Daniel still followed God despite everything else in his life changing. Maybe for you it's your spouse, maybe it's your parents, maybe it's Google or YouTube. Maybe it's a school teacher or a trusted friend, maybe it's a boss or celebrity you follow on TikTok. Maybe it's a political ideology. What is it, that thing, that you go back to and I just need to hear their say on this thing? Daniel demonstrates in this chapter that despite being removed from the nation he was born in, despite having this, his name changed, and being named after a Babylonian God, despite being educated in a new language and education system, despite living in a new culture and in a new city, despite all of this change, despite all of this, God was still the highest authority in his life. So what is the highest authority in your life? What voice has the most sway in your life? Now I'm hoping and guessing you might say Jesus, and I'm hoping you would to be honest, but in reality is, is that true? Who or what is the highest authority in your finances? Who or what is the highest authority in your career decision? What about the way you prioritize your time and your, your energy? Or who or what is your highest authority in deciding your sexual ethics? To be a follower of Jesus in our culture, whatever culture you find yourself in, work, family, society, global, to be a follower of Jesus is to be an exile and to have an allegiance to Jesus and his kingdom, and that alone, rather than picking and choosing what bits of our life we submit to God's authority. So how do we live in that tension, immersed in a culture that's foreign, but also holding on to God as our primary authority? Being in the world, not of the world, Jesus said to be salt, to be light, and to be yeast. And as I mentioned We were in France, and it was warm, really warm. No rain until it really, really tipped it down. Temperatures constantly above average. And you're seeing this picture in the UK, and you're seeing this picture across Europe, really low, almost non-existent rainfall for months. Temperatures crazy high. And one of the headlines where we were was the river temperatures rising. And if you're a fish in a French river, you would be warming up too, very slowly, Day after day, as the water temperature rises, the oxygen reduces and you drift off to sleep. I wonder whether this describes our engagement with the culture around us. We've become immersed in something that is making us more and more sleepy. We've just gone along with it and finding that we've become numb to it. We've just embraced it. We've drifted off to sleep. Almost like when you, oh, vegetarians are going to go nuts at this. You cook a crab and it goes to sleep and then it gets cooked. Whispered it so the camera didn't pick it up. Or some other kind of animal like that. Jesus says, be in it, influence it, be salt, bring out the flavor, preserve it, be light in the darkness. You have to be distinct. Be yeast, work your way through the bread to life. Help it rise up. A tiny thing, what even is yeast? It's crazy, isn't it? You stick it in and then the bread goes crazy. A tiny bit brings a huge change to the whole dough. We are called to be strangers in a foreign land, distinct citizens of a different kingdom. Philippians 3 verse 20 says this, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. In the first of Peter's letters, he addresses it to the elect, to the exiles spread throughout the world. So back to the passage, Daniel takes this stand. His ultimate authority is still the living God of Israel, even though the whole of his life has changed. It's not the king of Babylon. And God does an incredible miracle. Now, there are some miracles in the book of Daniel. But this one is up there with the most incredible. Now, spoiler alert, Daniel does survive the lion's den and the fiery furnace. But this one is going to blow your mind. Eating just vegetables and water. He looks healthier than the others that eat the meat. Now, being a fan of the barbecue, I'm like, I read this story and i am be like, no, it just can't be. It cannot be. God, would you? are you that powerful that you would make him healthy just through eating vegetables? So if you want a story to... Tell to your kids about the benefits of vegetables. This is the one, Daniel chapter one. Eating just vegetables. He looks healthier than the other. I want to challenge us. That was a joke. Sorry, vegetarians. Challenge us in three ways. First, where in your life do you need to make a stand? Where do you need to draw a line? In what area of your life are you tempted into compromise? Where are you tempted just to be accepted and fall in with the crowd? Where has acceptance become more important than integrity? In the passage, Daniel makes a stand with this little thing, what he eats. Seemingly so insignificant, but he is faithful with the small things. But it leads to Daniel having a crazy influence over the king and over the nation. This is how the chapter ends. Verse 17. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. And at the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. Faithful with the little things. God blessed them abundantly. Second, so first it would be, where do you need to make a stand? Where do you need to draw the line? Where are you compromising? The second would be, Daniel made a stand in a community with his friends, sharing the same experience. Who are your band of brothers or sisters that you go- are going to have your back? They're going to look out for you. They're going to challenge you. They're going to spur you on to love and good deeds. So who are you going to make a stand with? Are you in community? Do you have people looking out for you? Do you have people praying for you? Do you have people challenging you? Join a small group if you haven't joined a small group. Last one. The passage in Jeremiah gives... The exile's a mission, and it gives us a mission. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you, because if it, it prospers, you too will prosper. This is the redemptive participation aspect, being a creative minority. This is a creative minority that influences the culture through seeking its peace, through aiding its prosperity, How can you do this in the town or the village you live in? How can you seek the peace peace and prosperity of Falmouth or of Redruth, of Penryn, of Helston, Frogpool, Bissot, Constantine, on campus, in St. Agnes, in Truro? How can you seek the peace and prosperity of that place? What does that look like? And not just we're going to go and demonstrate about something. How can you bless that place? What would it look like for next week we come back in Good Nathan I just want to tell you this crazy story we went into the community and just saw this need and we just thought actually we can meet that need we blessed them we painted something, we repaired something we transformed something we started something, we did something we brought hope and life we retold the narrative of the story over that town or that village and said actually there's a community that here, here that really cares and loves and wants to seek the peace and prosperity of this village it's not indifferent It's actively participating. What has God put on your heart to do to bless and bring peace to your neighborhood, to your street, to your village, to your flat even if you're a student maybe? What is it that God's laying on your heart that you could do or you could bring others into to bless, to seek peace? And how can we do that creatively as a community? This term. This is a theme we're going to come back to again and again. As we see Daniel influencing and seeing change within this community, how do we live with purpose and mission within our communities? Does that sound right? Let's stand. I felt a long one. I don't know if that was long. That was right. So we try and just make some space at the end. There were some prophetic words and pictures that you um, may want to respond to. So I will move the lectern and we'll make some space at the front. So if you want to come down and get someone to pray for you, that would be great. Um, Let's just wait and see what God wants to do. Yeah. You might find it easy just to shut your eyes, just block out some of the distraction. Sometimes we say just to spread your hands out as if you're receiving a gift, just to almost... It shows you that your heart is ready to receive, but it also is kind of like a physical um, expression of something internal. So God, we just welcome you. Would you come? We know you're here. We know you're speaking. Lord, we've read your word. Would you bring it to life? Bring conviction. Bring hope. Bring purpose. Bring encouragement. These... Four teenagers just changing the trajectory of a nation through small acts of defiance. Welcome you, Holy Spirit. You come. Rest on your people, Lord God. Bring peace. Hebrews 11 just says this, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him in the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Jesus, would you give us this kind of sense of what is to come, our heavenly home, the kingdom breaking in. Yeah, I can see just a number of you, God's just resting on, like, I felt is if we should pray for people that have influence within community, like almost community leaders. So I'm going to make some space at the front. If you would like some prayer, it's the beginning of a new term. Let's go out. Let's start with a... A bang in terms of we want to just pray for each other don't we want i don't know if you're daunted by the fact that the kids are going back to school this term or the university's term started or everything kind of changes gear doesn't it suddenly talking to steph your diary fills up where you've had space and capacity suddenly it's reduced and lord lord god we just would you just break in would you empower us And I just pray, Lord, you'd let us know what is it we need to take on? What is it we need to let down or lay down? What are are your priorities for this term for our lives as a church and as individuals? Would you just be whispering and speaking to us, Holy Spirit?